Hi there. You're listening to the Parent App Podcast by Focus on the Family Singapore. While there are no perfect families, every relationship can turn the corner. Hello and welcome to the Parent App Podcast. My name is Joanna Koho and I'm your host for this episode. Now, in each episode of Parent Ed Podcast, we'll be tackling questions that parents are asking about family life, parenting, marriage, work life, and much more. We'll be speaking with everyday parents and practitioners as they share with us their experience and practical ideas. And we hope that you will keep tuning in to learn with us and to grow personally in your journey as parents. Now, today we have a really, really interesting uh, topic and uh, also two very special guests with me. Uh, we're actually going to talk about remarriage. And with me, I have uh, Lily Q, who is an entrepreneur and a founder of Q Organics, which is a homegrown organic skincare brand, obviously her own. And she is married to David, who is here with us, apart from being her marriage partner. David is also her business partner, uh, helping out in Q Organics. They just explained to me that uh, David does what Lily doesn't want to do, or is not good at doing, either way. Okay, but it sounds like they're a good complement to each other. And I'm just going to have them briefly introduce themselves. So welcome, David and Lily. Hi, thank you, Joanna, for having us. Yeah, very honoured and privileged to be here. So I think you pretty much did uh, most of my introduction. We are married for 10 years this year and we have two girls aged 2 and 5. And uh, I'm 51 years old. So I gave birth late, my first one at 45 and my second one at 48. Mm, and two healthy girls, right? Healthy girls and a healthy mother as well. <laughs> <laughs> With very healthy skin. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, and David, you want to introduce yourself, what you like doing or have been doing? So yeah, I'm a partner, not only in the marriage, but also in business. Mm, and David has uh, shared with me that he likes to exercise. That's his hobby. Okay, and he runs marathons. <laughs> right. So I think we're talking to a pretty healthy couple today. <laughs> and it's a good thing because we're going to hear the story of their healthy marriage or how mm. it became healthy. Mm. <laughs> and I know it's the season of the year when typically at Focus on the Family, we'll be talking about love and marriage. And love is a wonderful thing. As we know, it comes in different shapes and sizes and forms. And of course, you know, everyone has some experience of love or other, be it romantic or otherwise. The reason why I say we have a really special couple with us is because they have a quite an amazing but unusual story. They got married, divorced, and then remarried again to each other, the same person, and thereafter had their first child, and now they have two. Tell your story with us, you know, how did it all start and exactly what happened? And so we met when we were both 25 years old through mutual friends, and then we dated for seven years before we tied the knot. So for both of us, we thought like marriage is the end of the relationship, like, okay, it's done, we got hooked. And then I started to do my own thing. He started to do his own thing. And having a good marriage, it all boils down to communication, which we didn't have. So this lack of communication and not being together, spending time to nurture the marriage, it's like the main cause of the breakdown. 
Of course, there is also other things like we bring in different value systems, we do things differently, we are both strong in character. So when we come to a deadlock or we don't see eye to eye, then we will just be very insistent on our own opinion, you know, and very often we will end up arguing, quarreling or just not talking to each other. So the marriage lasted for five years before we call it quits. So I was the one who initiated the divorce because um, towards the end of the marriage, I just felt like I'm so tired, emotionally drained. Like working is even better than going home, you know. Every time I finish work and when I want to go home, I feel like I'm dragging my feet and I dread the feeling of going home because the feeling is just very heavy. Every time we start to talk, then maybe by the third or fourth sentence, we will start to have argument. Sometimes it can be all the way late into the night and it's so draining and so tired, right? There wasn't any third party involved. We came together because of love. So it's just that communication and living together is so difficult. So I thought like, hey, maybe if we divorce and we stay as friends, it will be better because there's no expectations. So I initiated the divorce. At first he was resistant, but I was insistent. <laughs> and then so that's how we ended our five-year marriage. Like you said that there was a lot of arguments, more so than when you were dating as just friends before you got married. Yes, yes. You, you know, when you're dating, you don't live together. So things are just different. But when you start to live together, you are in each other's face every day. And then you have to make a lot of decisions together, right? Or if you don't want to make decisions together, you just make on your own. But then the repercussion is that he is going to feel disrespected and I'm also going to feel like, hey, how come you didn't discuss with me? So there were a lot of friction, a lot of frustrations, just a lot of uh, negative vibes in the marriage. So Lily, you were the first to raise it to David yes. to get a divorce. Yes. How, how did you take it? Were you expecting it? Actually, I didn't expect it because like what Lily shared, we doesn't have a third party. The base of our relationship whereby we thought that is love, that we really come together, we love each other and then we married. So I didn't expect that because I thought inside my mind like it was betrayal or something to the marriage. Although I didn't take the vow that I made seriously, but I truly think that what I need to bear is as a husband, the responsibility as a true thick and thin till death to us, but I still remember after she dropped the news that she wanted to divorce me, actually I was very sad. I can say that I cannot take it, yeah. So how long did that contemplation go on for before you finally agreed to go ahead with the divorce? A couple of months, but before that, it's like you could feel it coming, maybe he didn't feel it. Lah. The, so the you were actually contemplating it for some time before for about, you... For about one and a half years. Does it surprise you to hear like David saying that he does remember the to death do us part, <laughs> part of that of the marriage vow? You mean do I feel surprised hearing it now? Yeah. No, but... because we already talked all these things because we were apart for four years. Mm -hmm. So during that four years, we had a lot of talks. So I know everything, and he also came to realize many things before we decided to walk down the aisle again. That's really interesting. In the lead up to deciding to get a divorce, did you get any help from counsel, a counsellor or talk to anyone? So that's the thing. In our first marriage, right, we, because like I say, we were like pretty strong people. So 
it didn't occur to us to go and seek like marriage counsellor. It also didn't occur to me like, hey, maybe seek help from some church or pastors. It's just like, I think this is the way and I just do it. <laughs> it's just like me internalising everything inside for that one and a half years before I make that decision. <laughs> and then he was just surprised by it. <laughs> and because you're so insistent, he went along with it. How did the relationship change? Because it sounded like even after you divorced, you still spend time together. So we got divorced, I moved back home, but he still stayed at our matrimonial home while we are selling it. So at that time, he was at a very low point of his life, right? So, and because we didn't divorce on a bad note, I still went back to visit him, to see him. But each time I would see like he's very down and unshaven and things like that. Lah. He would totally ignore me because he thought like, how can I leave him? Uh, and not go to thick and thin with him. The real reason why at the end of the day I decided to divorce is because I know his character, I know him well, and I just felt like if I don't make that step, he will not wake up. And then I took a bet, right? Like if he, he, if he wakes up, then okay, fine. If he doesn't wake up, then I just think to myself, that's it, you know? But at that time, I didn't think of getting external help. That was what how I internalised things. But the percentage of him waking up is like 90 over percent now because based on what I know of him. So indeed, during that half a year, he ignored me every time I went to visit him, but I just continued to go back home. But he thought that I went back to check whether the house is still okay so that I can sell the house at a good price. Was like, there's a lot of negative thinking, a lot of damages to ruin the relationship further. But I just continue to go back. So six months later, it's sort of like Chinese New Year coming. So on the second day of Chinese New Year, I went back to visit him. And then we didn't talk as usual, but we were like watching this TV program documentary on this ex-gambler who turned over a new leaf. So I guess because Chinese New Year, a lot of people gamble, so the TV station just broadcast this to sort of like deter people from compulsive gambling. And then I was sitting like nearer to the TV, he was just like maybe a little bit behind me, right? So the ex-gambler said like, uh, oh, so I got transformed by going into a halfway house. And then suddenly I heard this voice from behind. Do you think I should go to the halfway house? You no, know, or the light bulb moment. And then so I turned back and immediately I said, yeah, you should. And then so of course he was still a little bit hesitant and I said, you should go now. Strike the iron while it's hot. So I drove him there and then we met this pastor and On talk. the second day of Chinese New Year? Yeah. And then so the pastor said, okay, I can take you in and everything, right? So I told him, I said, okay, okay, you no need to go back. You just stay here. You know, I go back and grab your things. Because I don't want him to have second thoughts, right? I sort of just knew that this kind of situation is at the wit's end of a person. So I just like, okay, you just stay there and then I go back grab his things. And then so he was there for nine months. And during that nine months, I visited him and he also spent time with the Lord, learn what is love, what is inadequacy. But also during that time, I also did a lot of self-reflection and I also realised that my own inadequacy and what I wasn't doing a right to build a good marriage. During this period, I was also seeking because when we divorced, I was like already 38 years old. So I was like, oh, I'm going to hit 40, you know, alone, getting old and no marriage, just divorce. I was also at the crossroads seeking and then a friend brought me to a church. So I said, okay, let me go back to church. And then nine months later, when he was supposed to leave the halfway house and he was like, 
oh, so what should I do, you know, what, what should I do for my livelihood, where should I go and things like that. I said, never mind, you just follow me to church. You just align yourself with God and then He will open door for you. I don't know what makes me say that, but I just say that. So he followed me to church. Even though we were divorced, but we are always in touch in a way. So he followed me to church. After I saw him settle down, so I was like, okay, lah, maybe it's time for me to leave. Because my character was pretty strong. I don't like to stay put in a church. He joined a cell group in the church. And the cell group leaders, they are very nice people. So they knew about our story and then they started to do the matchmaker job. They started to try to reconcile us, try to let us come back together. And then of course, I was like, no way, right? I married this guy, I divorced this guy, and then I'm married and then things don't work out. How? And then like, what will my whole kampong say? Married, divorced, married, and divorced the same guy again. What am I doing, you know? <laughs> so I said, no way, no way. So the cell group leader kept inviting me to their cell group, but I kept resisting. But they never gave up. I felt so bad, right? One day I just said, okay, I, I will just go. So throughout this whole four years that we were apart, we were receiving the same things, you know, the same teaching, the same value. We were going to church on a weekly basis at the same church. So we'll see each other every week. So slowly, I see the change in him. I guess he also saw some changes in me. So we see each other twice every week, once in church and once in the cell group. So cell group is like a smaller setting and we started to talk. And our cell group leaders, they also sort of like uh, ministered to us, uh, create gathering, fellowship with us privately, you see. So we have all these opportunities and then we begin to realise what went wrong and how we could do it right. And then progressively, it just became like natural. The next step is like, if we want to get back together, uh, then marriage is like the next step, right? So do we want to do that? So there were a lot of struggle. Getting back together and talking about marriage again, that was a lot of struggle. So I also struggled like what I just shared. He also has his struggle. But somehow or rather, we decided, we also came to the revelation that in today's modern marriage, actually it involved a third person. Last time, you know, our parents' time, they say that marriage takes two. But I feel in today's time, is marriage takes three. So the third person is our faith. There will be so many times that we will have different thoughts, different ideas, different opinions, different ways of wanting to do things. And I mean, it's good if one, you know, is softer, one is stronger, you know, then just give in. But both of us are pretty strong-headed people. So it's like, okay, if we want to step into the marriage a second time, then we got to have that referee. So if both of us don't agree on certain thing, then we go back to that referee. It also sounds like, you know, just that community that you were kind of accidentally almost brought yeah. into in the church and the couple who reached out to both of you individually and also together played a large part. But I'm just curious, so what is it that you saw in each other that changed? For me, the first thing, very stark difference is that he used to be very hot-tempered. He loses his temper like drinking water. <laughs> Yeah, so easily agitated. I guess it's also because of his uh, background and things like that. During that four years, I saw that he has mellowed down a lot. Uh, he has sort of like thrown his temper out of the window. I noticed that he's more gentle. He is more attentive to what I say or what I want to say. And he is considerate of my needs. 
previously, right, both of us is like, okay, me, 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 myself and I self-centered. But we didn't realize we are self-centered. We just feel like the world value system is like, if you love me, you must do this for me. If you love me, you must do that for me. But we didn't re realize that this is like self-centered. But when we came back during that four years, we realized that the true meaning of love is unconditional. It's putting your spouse's needs above your needs. So I began to see this in him. You know, that, that sense of security and that, that feeling of, yeah, maybe it will work this time. That seed began to develop in me. So now that you all have had the experience of not just being married once, but twice and to each other, what would you say with that additional wisdom are the ingredients of a healthy, successful or strong marriage? Okay, to me, I think first and foremost, we need to know what our spouse like or don't like us to do or say. So for example, I love to drive fast cars and I love to <laughs> cut lanes. <laughs> yeah, if I think the car in front of me is driving too slowly, then I will just cut and then overtake and go another lane, you know. I just like that kind of thrill here and there. I mean, he knew about it while we were dating, right? But he always say like, as he grows older, he no longer can take this kind of thrill. So, but I still young at heart, I can still take this kind of thrill. So, but because I know that he doesn't like it and every time that he's in the car, I will try my best to drive properly or drive carefully and stick to one lane. Try lah, that's sometimes I feel lah because I'm quite an impatient person. I know that certain things I say or I do, he doesn't like. So I try my best not to do it or say or choose the right time to say. I felt like uh, to have a successful marriage, huh, we should not have secrets between each other. So I feel that we shouldn't guard against each other. So I give you an example, like both our handphones, we know each other's code. Yeah, and we can just unlock the phone and go in and see any time we want. And then we thought that this is normal, this is common. But actually, when we talk to friends and all, then we realise that it actually is not common, you know. Mm -hmm. I even have a friend that need to go and try to break her husband's phone code in order to go in and see. Mm -hmm. So, if you want to have a successful marriage, you want to have a blissful marriage, how are you going to live with a person whereby subconsciously you know that hey, he got some secrets hiding from me? Mm -hmm. Then you start to have that guard against him, he against you. So to, to be very open is one of the key elements to a successful marriage. And I also mean in terms of finances. So we can see each other's accounts. We are very open, we are very transparent. We discuss things together, we do things together. Like this time round, the second marriage, we learn that once we are married, we are one. We are one. We are no longer two individual entity. So I also learned that as a wife, I am his helper. So that oneness, that being his helper, is what sets the basis of our marriage. So I know my position. And for him, as husband, is to love your wife and not to be harsh with them or to keep bitterness bottled up in you against your wife. So once we learn all this, we know all this, right? then we are being set free, then we are able to have that agape love, that unconditional love between each other. But having said that, it is a journey, we are still learning because after all, we are human beings. But the good thing about this second marriage is that when we get into an argument or disagreement, 
Unlike the first time, we will just turn on our turbo engine and just charge head on, you know? But this time now, it's like, uh, okay, time out, stop, we go and think about it, walk away, you know, come back when the time is right, when everybody is cool. And also because we have these two kids, right? So we don't want to like argue or fight in front of the kids. Initially, when we had the kids, uh, sometimes we didn't realise we still have disagreement because we do the business together, right? So we have different ideas how to run. Sometimes at dinner table, we forgot and then we just talk about business and the kids are there. So we realised that their change in their behaviour when we are loving, when we kiss each other and then they'll be like so happy and everything and then when we argue, you can see that difference in their behaviour. So we make it a point like, okay, after 6 o'clock, we go back home, we don't want to talk about business. But of course, this is a journey. It's not like today we decide, tomorrow we did it, you know. So it's like after a few trust and error. Lah. We can always reset. Don't just like um, keep insisting on our own points. Mm, and resetting without needing to go through another divorce. I, I think it's okay um, to lose the battle and win the war. And to lose the battle, sometimes we just do a bit of sacrifice, a bit of like giving in. But the bigger picture, the bigger goal is that you have this solid, loving environment where your kids can thrive. And also your own well-being, your mental health and everything can thrive. I mean, if you have that good, blissful, solid marriage, right, where there's peace, there's joy. It's good for everybody. It's always focus on the bigger picture, on the final destination. And I suppose that's what you must have had in mind when you decided to remarry each other. Yeah. I assume that when you started off your business, your organics, that was after you remarried? Yes, shortly after we remarried. Yeah, we, we remarried in 2012. So it's 10 years. This year is your 10th mm. year? Wow, congratulations. <laughs> David, what was it that you saw in, in Lily that convinced you to give it another shot? Or were you actually all this while secretly hoping that you have another chance? To be very frank, in uh, the initial stage whereby I come into this faith, I really didn't expect we'll reconcile again because I still find myself holding a bitterness against her. I totally come to understand that there's freedom in forgiveness and the power in forgiveness. Mm. So a few years, after we were talking about this thing, we also come to a point where we also got fear of uh, we, we marry again and then if things happen again, how? When we come together, we, we need to move on to one, right? If you think of uh, changing the, the other party, if she's not going to change and the expectation is not met, then the marriage will start there. Man. What I mean is that if you want to see changes over the years, I learned I need to change myself in order order to see change and then the marriage can move forward. I think it's, it would be encouraging for our listeners out there to hear the journey that you guys have. It is possible to make good out of a situation gone wrong. Obviously, hearing your story is a very much more mature love, a love that doesn't just centre on oneself, but looks to the interests of uh, your spouse, the other party. Yeah, so um, another thing that we learn in the second marriage is that everybody says that how important it is to communicate and we also believe that it's very important to communicate but I realised that the art of communication is actually in the tone and the delivery method as well as the words used so we always have this in us that whenever we want to say something we have to intentionally tell ourselves okay taste our words before we say them out because we are so close with our spouse sometimes we just not intentionally but we just take them for granted and we just pop out whatever without filtering in our mind so one thing we learn is to intentionally taste our words before we say them out and also the tone and the volume 
of how we put across our point. Another thing that we do on a weekly basis, we have two sessions on a Wednesday and a Saturday, a wine session where we talk about nice things to each other. Initially, we didn't know. We, we just talk about anything and sometimes that wine session turn up disastrous. So when we have this wine session, we should just chill and relax and just enjoy each other's company. But what about the difficult topics? So we have it on Monday and we call that Monday our everything day. So it is on that day where we can speak out everything. What I don't like, what I see you do wrong. So it can be parenting, it can be things like I told you like 362 times to off the light when you leave the room and why you still don't off or to cut that toothpaste to dig out that residue of the toothpaste. Why are you still not doing it? You know, things like that. But we choose to do it outdoor where there is sun, there is wind, there is fresh air. So we usually go for a walk or exercise and talk this thing out. So I think that all these natural environment factors actually does help in a way that it sort of acts as a buffer so that even though when you talk about things that you don't like, you won't get so agitated. So I think things like that, right, to not only nurture the marriage, but also to improve the marriage. Yeah, and so far it's been working out quite well for us. But of course, there were some days where we are so busy that we miss that everything Monday. But then it also gives us an outlet like, okay, now I see something that she don't like or he doesn't like it. And then I just hold it until Monday instead of just spotting out when you're angry and then you might say the wrong thing. Yeah, so these are the things that we, we do wow. as a couple. I would say those are very novel date nights. <laughs> I mean, we encourage couples to continue to go on dates as even as a married couple. I think those are very creative but very constructive ways to spend your time one-on-one uh, -on -one as a couple. Um, I think people are maybe used to your wine nights, your Wednesday night, your Saturday night when we talk about the nice things. But it's true, in marriage, there, there are difficult topics that need to be addressed. There are problems that need to be pointed out. <laughs> can't just sweep it under carpet and let it blow up one day. So uh, your Everything Monday is a, a great tip. <laughs> yeah, and I love yeah. like how vivid and almost visual the expression of how, you know, to taste our words before we speak them. Uh, I think this is a very good reminder to be careful. Sometimes yeah, we feel like, but like I say, we always have that privilege to reset and start again. Thank you, very helpful tips. David, is there anything else you want to add? No matter what your wife does or becomes, my job is just to love her unconditionally and not let the attorney in me arise to try to change her, to tell her what to do or not to do. So by sticking to this, it's truly a strength to enable us to build this relationship well. And so that's how we also can build our family. Uh, marriage is not a bit of roses, but we believe that if we press on, there will be light at the end of the tunnel. Just press on. And so our second marriage, our wedding ring, right? What word should we engrave? Because we're 42 years old. Okay, we are past that. Put your name, put my name on the ring <laughs> face, right? So, so we said, oh, what do we want to put? And then he came up with this very, I think, philosophical, profound words that press on. So each of our wedding ring has these two words, press on, which I think is very true and it's what keeps us going. Press on. Yeah, every marriage needs that. Thank you so much for being so open and vulnerable in sharing your journey. Obviously, a lot of mistakes made, but also the very precious lessons that you've taken away. And it's evident, I think, if nobody knew that you got a divorce and you were remarried, they probably think that you've been married, just happily married a long time. 
Having met you for the first time uh, at Focus on Family, having dealt with so many families and, and couples, we know that marriage is never a bit of roses yeah. because you're such flawed human beings. And conflicts, tensions arise all the time and it can leave our garden bed of marriage a bare mess sometimes. Uh, maybe soil scattered here and there, weeds everywhere if we don't upkeep it. Yeah. Thanks so much for again for sharing uh, the wisdom that has come out of your experience. Uh, and we want to let also our listeners know that we uh, are having a, a Celebrate Marriage campaign. Um, and we like to encourage you uh, as a couple to take intentional time to discover so much more about your marriage by taking the love quiz with your spouse. And you can do that at www.family.org.sg slash celebrate marriage. And you will receive free resources, not just uh, the results of your love quiz, to strengthen your relationship. Hashtag so much more. With that, I'd like to just wish both of you many, many more happy years together. And also to wish you success in your, your business and of course you. uh, your ongoing family life. And, thank you. And your parenting journey. Thank you. Yeah, so thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story. Thank you for having us. And we want to wish one and all a very happy Valentine's Day. Um, not that you know, it's just for a day, but to renew your love afresh for each other as husband and wife. Uh, like we said, um, marriage is never a bit of roses, but as our guests today, Lily and David have proven, you know, we can always make it great and always make it better. Yeah, so with that, thank you for listening. And till next time, this has been the Paranet Podcast. Mm-hmm.